For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Anaheim Ducks Flying V Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Southern California's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in Southern California and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? So yeah, this is episode 8. Your co-host, Anthony Trudelli here, and with me today from, from Orange County, but over the phone is Kent Huskins. Kent, how are you doing? Yeah, hey, Anthony, doing well, thanks. Yeah, sorry, we had uh, had a couple of late scratches at the uh, at the coffee shop this this weekend, so I had to had to fill in on some shifts and uh, do some work there. So yeah, we're pushing to the the rare Sunday night uh, broadcast here. This is uh, this is cool, but the kids are the kids are in bed, so we're we're all clear. Excellent. How many how many coffees did you have to make this weekend? Did you get any barista action? I was actually, uh, yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I, I do the copies. I'm still not, my goal was to be on, uh, on espresso and whipping up some lattes with the latte art. And, uh, my goal is to do that by the start of the season. And I did not achieve my goal, but, uh, I'm still there basically kind of doing everything else that I can, uh, like, you know, getting on the cash and, talking to everyone and yeah i'll pour the coffees and make a mean avocado toast and uh, <laughs> do the dishes and clean the bathrooms and do all the all the fun stuff there but as far as as far as the uh the meat and potatoes of the business uh is the coffee i leave that to to our staff and, the, and their skills very nice. Well, we, we got a lot to cover today, going all the way back to the Calgary game that we both went to a week ago, and that was a, a tough 2-1 to one loss to the Flames there. Cam Talbot kind of stole that one. And then I kind of have down the debacle in Nashville, um, and then Dallas, Colorado, and Vegas tonight. It's been a very interesting week for the Ducks. Uh, definitely some up and downs. We've had some injuries. We've had a trade. So uh, a lot to get to here tonight. But uh, Kent, first impressions from this week. Well, what did you see uh, first starting in Calgary and just kind of generally for the whole week? I think, yeah, I mean, having the Ducks start the way they did uh, with coming out of the gate so well, having some big wins against Buffalo and Carolina at home, getting out to a six and two start. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think if you kind of look at the, the big picture as far as the start of the season till now, I think that's probably a microcosm of, of the way the season's going to, going to shape up for not just the ducks, but a lot of teams. I feel like there's going to be a lot of, three-game win streaks, three-game losing streaks, just kind of up and down. That's just the nature of the league nowadays. And uh, especially in the in the West and in the Pacific, where it's, 
in the East, I think you have the the divisions where the the top three are a little more predictable. But as far as the Pacific this year, I think it's just going to be a dogfight, uh, especially for. I think the the number one seed I kind of have in my mind who I think is probably going to wind up there. Uh, but anything after that is kind of best guess at this point. So I, I think they're, it's been a, it's been an interesting stretch. I, I think, yeah, we've, going on the road is always tough for an extended period of time, especially um, when you have travel and back-to-back games and that kind of thing and some tough opponents and some tough arenas. So, I think it, it it was a good a good indication of kind of where they uh, realistically are at uh, as compared to kind of the rest of the Western Conference at least. And um, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll go back and starting with the the game that we both went to, sat up in the press box uh, at least for a little bit uh, <laughs> for uh, for Calgary. What, what were your thoughts on that game? I thought it was it was encouraging to see the way the Ducks played. Um, it was. Tough that they went out to the early lead, I believe, and then uh, did they? Yeah, they scored first, and then Calgary came back and kind of um, took the lead. And and Cam Talbot, I will say, stole the game. Uh, just played really well in the final period, and especially when the Ducks had the goalie pulled. I think he robbed Nick Ritchie on a couple of opportunities. Uh, it was a physical game as well. Um, uh, Matthew Kachuk, not not Brady, the older one, really was was. Uh, uh, bringing some physicality to the game. That's why they had Nick Delorier playing and um, a lot of scrums in front of the net. But I think the Ducks showed once again that they can compete with a, a playoff team from last season, a, a competitive, highly skilled team in the Calgary Flames, and they can get they can kind of muck it up and, and get physical if they need to. So that was a, that was an encouraging sign. Uh, and and it, and again, we had the defense jumping up uh, into the offense to get that to get that first goal. Uh, the pass from I think it was Lindholm to Manson or Manson, Manson to Lindholm and then over to, uh, man, it was so far back now, Silverberg, I think. Uh, Good memory, yeah. Yeah, it was just a, it was just a, a really a prime example of what Eakins and, uh, has been encouraging, what everybody's been talking about this season is defensive participation in the offense. Yeah, I, that's a great point. And that was uh, front and center's my notes uh, as well. It was that first goal, I think, uh, a little uh, late arrival by yours truly there. Uh, some some uh, musical chairs with the car seats throughout the day put me a little behind schedule, but uh, just as we kind of sat down and got situated coming out of the first intermission, the Ducks had that awesome play right off the opening face off. And yeah, not just one, but both D uh, jumping up in the rush and um, and creating that, that, uh, that awesome, uh, beautiful goal there. Awesome setup. And then uh, kind of had that weird Flames first goal where uh, Delzato and Monaghan were kind of battling in front and it looked like Gibson was tracking kind of lost sight of the puck, which, I mean, is understandable with all the, all the bodies back there and just the angle from where the puck was in relation to Delzato and Monaghan. He kind of just lost it for that split second, and I believe it was uh, Stone, the defenseman, uh, had an unbelievable shot. I mean, it was, it was either a, a perfectly placed shot or just uh, this fortunate kind of seeing eye shot. But either way, that, that picked uh, picked the corner uh, cleanly, and and that was a good hard shot from the point to tie it up one one. And then your boy uh, Matthew Chuck with a great 
Uh, a great pass, a great quick pass on uh, on that two on one, and uh, and finished off there by oh I forget the guy's name Backlund I think was, uh, was who got the game winner. But yeah, I, I think just uh, yeah definitely I think as a as a, a Ducks fan a, another game where they where they put a it was a great a great showing solid showing nothing. Uh, no takeaways like they, they couldn't hang, as you mentioned, with the playoff competitor from last year and uh, all all indications like both teams played well, played hard, had their turn carrying the play. It was just one of those games where you kind of, uh, I call them kind of a coin flip, like it could easily go either way. And, and on that night, it just happened to to bounce, bounce Calgary's way for the 2-1. The uh, and from there, the boys uh, went on the road to Nashville. Debacle. Yeah. <laughs> it's a debacle in Nashville. Um, what, uh, yeah, start us off. What did you think of that one? I think that that game uh, was indicative of a problem that they're going to have it, it, for much of the season, and that is their, once again, lack of discipline. They, they had, a, a game, I think, multiple penalties in the first period. Oh, oh, I think Nashville's first goal resulted from a five-on-three Um and we saw, we'll get to this later, we saw tonight a lot of penalties taken in the Vegas game as well. But uh, it seems to be more of a deeply ingrained problem than just a Randy Carlisle coach team type thing. Like I remember I asked Eric Stevens of The Athletic last year in a question and answer uh, if it had something to do with the general speed of their team. And he, he kind of said, no, this is it's, it's a byproduct of, of Randy, Kyle, Randy Carlisle's style that he wants them to play. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that anymore. Now it's kind of become more or less uh, a continuation from there. Like, and I, I'm wondering if you think this as well, if it has something to do generally with their team speed. There was a lot made last year about um, the Ducks playing a faster style of offense and trying to and just trying to play a faster game, adjust with the increasing speed of the NHL. Uh, and they've done that kind of this year on offense. They've been able to to generate chances and possess the puck, but it's it's a two way sport. You have to be able to defend those speedy teams that are in the NHL. And I think that that's something they're struggling to do. And I don't know if that's having a slow, inherently not as fast of a team, just uh, skating wise, or if their defensive schemes aren't quite still caught up to the speed that the NHL is, but you're seeing a lot of penalties that they're taking that are obstruction penalties, hooking, tripping, interference, holding. And they're, I think the second most penalized teams in terms of minors in the NHL as of tonight and the fourth in terms of time short handed. I wonder, am I totally wrong in that maybe it's that it's still adjusting to to the speed that that's causing them to be kind of out of position and, and take these penalties that are a result of, of trying to make up that that kind of error in positioning? Penalties are a tough thing because a lot of it's just built into the nature of the sport. And you, you think of undisciplined penalties as far as like someone losing their cool in, in a taking an extra punch or you know responding to someone else's chirp and losing their their mind and taking that extra two minutes or um it's always definitely if if someone gets the first shot and it's always 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 i don't know why it is but it's always the retaliatory penalty that gets that uh, i don't know if it's that by the time the ref looks over he missed the first one but you know something's going on he always catches the second one so 
anything retaliatory or or undisciplined, I I think is fixable. But I think if if we want to dial it back or go back to the the Calgary game, so on the the first goal, D's jump up, it's great, and that it's aggressive. Everyone loves that. But there's a reason why everyone doesn't send their D all the time. That only some people do it. And if you kind of take a look at the game-winning goal on Calgary, it's following that same template of D jumping, everyone of being aggressive, getting up ice. But when it doesn't work, and you wind up with a two-on-one going back the other way, which Calgary scores on. So, if you have an aggressive mentality and you're going to live by the sword, and you're going to die by the sword. And if that's the the style that you want to play, it's fun to watch. I don't think I've talked to a single Ducks fan this year that has an issue with the, the style that the Ducks are playing or uh, that we've kind of possibly heard over um, at certain stretches when it when it's not working over the past uh, couple of years. But um, I think with the aggressive style, you're, you're going to give up. Uh, I, when it's working well, you'll give up slightly less than, than, uh, than you create. And when it's not working, which it's not going to on, on every night. And so you're going to give up more than, than you gain by being aggressive. So again, the double-edged swords of the, the, the style that they're playing, but I think it creates for an exciting brand of hockey. So um, I guess that's why they figure with the, with Gibson and Miller, they can afford to play that aggressive style and have the good goaltending kind of fill in the blanks. But uh, yeah, I mean, I saw the Nashville game a little differently i thought the ducks actually when i saw the scoreboard uh and saw 6-1 I, I nashville's a tough tough barn to play in and i was kind of uh it looked at first glance like oh they must have got blown out of the building but watching the game i thought they played well they had they had a number of scoring chances they again like they were they were creating they're playing aggressive yeah they had some some turnovers again. That's going to happen when you're kind of given that license to be creative. Um, going to have turnovers, which they did, and it seemed like they just played against a a highly skilled, good team with a world class goalie. And uh, Rene made some awesome saves. Um, but yeah, I don't, and uh, the penalties on that one, the five on three, seeing the call to put him down five on three i mean that was an absolute joke <laughs> i have to call that uh, a cross check i'm not sure which player it was in the corner that got called but he basically out battled the guy and got called for a cross check so i mean i don't know i'm i'm pro player as always but um i uh i think that was a that was a weak call um but I mean, yeah, there, there's, I would say it's hard to, hard to take uh, 10 games. And if you're going to be um, that high, highly ranking NHL, as far as penalty minutes, if it's the same after uh, in the second 10 games of the season, then I think there's probably cause for a little concern, but I think it's just the nature of the sport. There's going to be ebbs and flows as far as uh, penalties and how many you're taking and, penalty power play versus penalty kill and how many you're getting of each uh, on a nightly basis. But yeah, as for style, I think they're, I think it's, I like it. I like where they're at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the way they're 
playing in terms of general, like just offensive attacking and, 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 and what you mentioned, I just, uh, I am a little bit still concerned about the, the penalty problems they have, um, or that they've had, but the, um, heading into the Dallas game, they, uh, it was another close one. I think it was, it was another, uh, two to, I believe it was two to one final score. It was not quite as, uh, as close as uh, I think as the Calgary game was, uh, Dallas did a good job of playing a very defensive kind of salting away the 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 game, not not allowing a lot of opportunities after they got the lead, which is unusual for how they've played so far this season. But they were they're a good team, kind of a sexy uh, Stanley Cup pick for a lot of people. Um, but what were what was your impression of that game? Yeah, I was definitely one that was drinking the Dallas Kool-Aid uh, before the start of the season. Uh, I just liked the team they had uh, and what they did last year and with everyone coming back, basically, and adding Perry and Pavelski, I think, I, I still think, I mean, that's a good hockey team. They had a, a rough start. And again, I think it's a symptom of the modern day NHL. That's why the season's 82 games. I think they'll be there in the end. Um, but yeah, I think that, that game, another coin flip for me, I think. Uh, you know, you, you look at, at the goals that went in, uh, basically, same player coming down on his back end. First one, uh, barring in. I think uh, I think Gibson makes those saves probably ninety percent of the or ninety nine percent of the time. Uh, backhands are tough. Uh, any goalie will always tell you because it's um, it's a lot harder to read where the puck's coming off the stick. So if you're gonna come in and and go barring in uh, on a backhand, it's a pretty good shot. Um, but the second one along the ice, I think he probably was reading that he was going to go high again. And then the guy, the guy who, who knows, he might've fanned on and it went in along the ice, but it, it's hard to ever fault, uh, the add-on goalies. When you look at the, the 60 minute highlight package and seeing some of the, the 10 bell saves that, uh, that give or Miller make, uh, on a nightly basis. So, um, it's tough, tough to win when you only get one goal um, in, you know, in the NHL. So uh, another tough, tough road game. But uh, yeah, again, again, they showed up. They played well. They battled. I don't think anyone could fault the effort or the execution or anything like that. It's just, just not their night again. Yeah, and they they face Ben Bishop. I mean, Ben Bishop is gigantic. He's a he's a very good goalie. So I, you kind of see how it would be tough to score in that game. They did get thirty shots on goal, so it wasn't like it wasn't like tonight, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, yep. But yeah, then they then they went to Colorado where we had a win, and it was uh, I believe it was five two, and that actually secured uh, a five hundred record for this very tough month of October that they've had. I, I mean, th- they will have no worse than a five hundred record in a in a month where they played playoff teams from last year teams from this year who are lighting it up who weren't in the playoffs last i mean this was a pretty tough schedule this month uh even with travel and back-to-back games and i think just briefly 
being able to get through this month at least at 500 uh, and in a playoff spot, I mean, it's, it's only October, yeah, but being in the position where they are considering the schedule that they had this month is 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 pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's uh, it's a good sign. And I know I keep going back to it, but just the way they've played and the way they've competed and how they look versus like going toe to toe with all these these teams that, like you said, are either dominating this year or were playoff contenders from last year. I think and going in and uh, yeah, as we're getting to Colorado, what a huge win and what a, a big uh, just just proof of what this team is capable of and uh, I don't think every team in the league is capable of going in uh, to Colorado um, and winning five to two especially not the way they've been playing recently Uh, but uh, yeah to see them go in and kind of uh, after uh, three losses and kind of band together and I think if you look at that game out of any of them I think uh, that one was going to be the toughest because that's when you get there in Colorado, you got the altitude, and the first period you're just sucking wind. It's hard. You feel like uh, I don't know. It's hard to hard to catch a breath sometimes and get up in that thin air. And, and um, they have the you know McKinnon and Grant and all those guys flying around. I can't even I uh, can't imagine um, with with the speed that that team has now. Um, so I, I don't think a lot of people uh, expected a whole lot of that game, like, other than to be competitive and, and hope for maybe get a get a point or get up to overtime and steal it and shoot out. But to have a, a solid five-two win, that's that's great. And just the way they came out, they came out ready, um, and they just everyone to a man came out and, and put a put a great performance together. And I think this was mentioned on the broadcast of the game, but I wonder if the Ducks can use the Avalanche and, and Ducks fans can use the Avalanche as an example of maybe what the Ducks can be in a, in a couple years. And by that, I mean two, three years ago, the Avalanche missed the playoffs. And two years ago, they were a surprise playoff team. I think they get bounced by Nashville, but they give them a give them a, a tough series. And then last year, they, they beat Calgary. They make it all the way to, I believe, the conference finals against San Jose, where that was where the infamous offsides call uh, happened. So uh, I wonder, and, and now they're a fast team. They have a strong defensive core. They have tools on offense. I wonder if that is what maybe what the blueprint is for uh, for the Ducks kind of retooling. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's encouraging, and if you draft well, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of pressure and uh, and legwork on the scouts and the analytics teams to get these drafts right. Because uh, if you if you're strong in that area and you draft well and you can develop your players well, that drastically speeds up any kind of rebuild. So you see, and the, the way these kids are coming in and between 18, 20 and ready to take on the league uh, and, and the level that they're able to perform at, at young ages now, much more so than in the past. Uh, you can definitely, if you uh, if you play your cards right, you can definitely speed things up as far as a rebuild. So I think, yeah, I mean, all, all of a sudden to go from uh, where the Ducks were a couple of years ago um, as far as... Uh, to be a, a average age and, and 
uh, prospects in the system. To and I, I think, I mean, looking at the guys they've got plugged in there now and, and what's coming uh, in the next couple of years, I think um, they're doing a great job. And these these kids are developing them, and they're they're coming in ready and they're they're contributing right away. So yeah, that's that's kind of a blueprint of how you do it. I agree. And, and I think the Ducks are, are on track, especially early with how they're playing. And kind of the notes from the game, really good early start, quick goal from Henrique. Uh, I thought the fourth line played great again. Uh, you had a Grant from uh, Grant Rowney two-on-one rush that resulted in a goal. Uh, you had the new guy, Good Branson, on defense, putting a couple good hits on some Avalanche players. Um, so I think overall it was just a good it was a good overall performance and and uh, I found an interesting moment in the game was the the challenge that Eakins made for goalie interference there I think you're trying to keep your your two goal lead um, and you, if you get it wrong you're giving up another power play or you're giving up a, you get another penalty for delay of game I believe you give up another power play so it was kind of he was kind of between a rock and a hard place. Luckily, the Avalanche don't score, even though he lost uh, he lost that challenge, and, and they don't score on the ensuing power play. But that's just kind of, I think, a a gutsy move on uh, and an ag- aggressive move that I like from Eakins coaching to try to to kind of maybe get a, a break for his team in the middle of a three game losing streak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I always love that. Yeah, pro- proactive approach of uh, yeah, aggressive on the ice and aggressive aggressive with the the coaching tactics. I think. Uh, no one's ever going to argue that. I, I think, I mean, if you're going for it and yeah, trying to be proactive, I think that's always a, a good thing and mirrors, like I said, what they're trying to do on the ice. And uh, some notes that I had was, yeah, they, they came out ready. They, they played well right off the start. Uh, I had, yeah, Brownie and, and Grant um, noticing uh, Rowney, uh bust up the ice. I don't know where where each guy was in his shift, but looks like he was kind of uh, out hustling or out skating Nate McKinnon, which you don't see very often on the back check to beat him to the net. It's pretty good stuff. Uh, one guy I noticed, and I think the hockey world has been hearing a lot about this guy. And first, first I've kind of watched him for an entire game was Kale McCarr and whoa, what <laughs> a player. Huh. I now I, I kind of see what the hype is about. This kid is unbelievable. I, I yeah, it, I really um, him and I know we didn't talk about it in the Buffalo game, but seeing uh, Rasmus Dalene uh, Dalene in his second year, really coming into his own too. A couple of young, exceptional, uh, exciting defensemen. Guys, uh, fun to watch for sure back there. Um, but Kale McCarr nine assists um and then uh you look at the ducks hampus lindholm three assists uh to bring his uh grand total for the season to eight assists so um i know he, he i think took some heat after the boston game or or whatever but uh just a kind of uh under the radar sometimes how good he actually is um but uh, great game by him three assists a defenseman that was uh that's uh, always impressive uh, to get his season total to eight so quietly having a, a very good year and i just i love the i love i love the start even the start to, to miller uh i think yeah i, I think 
always a good thing. Uh, not that not that Gibson never deserves to miss games, but uh, I always think it's great letting him have a break. And Miller's been so good so far this year. Um, always great when he goes in. Um, and this was no different. So another strong performance from him. Uh, let's see. Guess that was all I had for Colorado. Yep. No, I think it was a good overall win. Good to see Miller in there. And I apologize if I lose you. My phone is looks like it's running low on battery, but we'll keep soldiering on until it dies. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, but uh, yeah, and then we move on to Vegas, which was, I think, um, I want to get your opinion on this, just a perfect storm to have a tough game. Uh, the end of a long road trip, back-to-back, a very fast team. You're now beset with injuries. You've got Kasha injured, Manson injured, Lindholm in, uh, is out for that game. Um, I think it was just a perfect storm. First, could you, could you talk about your experience in the NHL? what it was like at the end of a trip like that, where you're, you've been on the road a long time, you just had a game, like how do your legs feel? How, how, how tough is it to get back out there and, and try to like push yourself to the level that needs to be attained to play an NHL game? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's, there's no, no, no trouble getting, finding the ability to put forth kind of your max effort and like your max, what, to put everything you have into the game. It's just at that point, the tank's a little empty. Uh, like you, your max is, is just lower than it is other nights. And, and you have to just play like a perfectly smart, um, you know, you have to have really good changes. You have to be super smart in the first five, 10 minutes. Um, yeah, everything, it has to be a, a letter perfect performance by each and every guy to have any kind of chance in those games. And I, I was kind of, I was worried about this game for uh, for the fellas there all day today, just because uh, knowing what a big big win last night. But man, that travel and going into that uh, that hornet's nest there in Vegas, the way they buzz around in that uh, in that place, and the 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 Knights coming off a tough loss, their worst of the season. So, you know, they were going to be coming out strong. And uh, I, I, I was hoping when they, when they got the, uh, the first goal that maybe they could just kind of hang on and maybe uh, again, maybe find a way to get to a point or get it to a shootout or, um, but at that point uh, I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't realize that, that Lindholm was out as well. Um, so the game started. So, uh, yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough, uh, tough mountain to climb. And that, that was a tall order today. And, and Vegas has done that to uh, the Ducks aren't the first team that they've done that to. It won't be the last team that they've done. They'll do that to in that building uh, just with the atmosphere they have there. So uh, the back end of a two and two with travel, that, that's always tough, but even tougher when, going into one of arguably uh, one of the hardest buildings to play in against a, a great team that just got thumped a couple nights ago. Absolutely. Yeah. 
tough situation to be in. I want to get your thoughts on the Branson trade. So uh, middle of the week, I believe it's a Dallas game. Kasha and Manson go down. Manson with a knee. He's on IR. Kasha, we haven't really heard much from, but Manson's a Ducks only right-handed defender, so they need to do something about it, and they bring in Goodbranson. What what are your impressions of him so far? Uh, I've never, I don't think I ever played against him. Uh, I've watched, uh, I had a couple of good buddies or, or coaches for Vancouver, so I watched a few Canuck games and uh, when he was there. Uh, I think he, definitely with Manson out, um brings an element of physicality i think um holzer's physical uh, as well but good branson's just a kind of uh established guy uh, he's physical i think he kind of creates uh a scenario where other teams know when he's on the ice big strong guy just kind of solid uh solid defensive defenseman um yeah, I think I think it was a solid a solid pickup, especially uh, in this scenario with the with Manson out. I think that's a tough loss for the Ducks. Um, I really like the way he's been playing this year with Lindholm. I thought they've they've uh, they've been great, and it's unfortunate where you kind of um, sometimes you don't really know what someone's doing till they're missing and. Uh, you know, I I hope Good uh, Branson comes in. He's had a great a great career. I know he, he had some uh, some great years in Florida, and uh, yeah, big strong guy was pretty well, and and just a smart smart defensive guy that play play in a lot of those uh, tough situate situations, uh, kind of defensive zone stuff. Uh, do kind of a lot of the dirty work and make like dif- difficult for uh, some of the other forwards. And he, uh, he, I mean, he had a good game against Colorado. He was kind of in a tough spot, I think, against Las Vegas. He's not necessarily a top-pairing guy, but he had to kind of fill in. On the second pairing, uh, he was paired with Delzato, uh, and Cam Fowler and Brendan Gooley were on the on the top pairing. But he, I mean, Vegas is so deep that you can't really – that doesn't make much of a difference. You're still going against uh, a couple, uh, a very good uh, offensive group of forwards. So I think he – and he was also on the uh, second of a back-to-back and with a new team and a new defensive pairing from his first game. So I think uh, – that's a tough. That's a tough situation to be in. So I wouldn't necessarily be too concerned about Goodbranson's performance today. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, it's tougher for the veteran guys too. You know, the young guys have those young legs, but the the veteran guys, you, know, you get on the plane, and yeah, you, you said it. Like a second game with a new team, never played with any these guys. You haven't had the luxury of a training camp to get acquainted with the other players' tendencies. You're paired with new players. It's, uh, you're still learning the system. Like there's a lot, uh, but even uh, a few days practice every day is going to help. He's going to feel better out there, and um, I, I think, yeah, I, I think it was a good pickup, smart move given the given the circumstances, and yeah, I think he'll be a good fit. So let's get into the three stars today. We're talking. Three best locker room guys, as I have 3% of my battery on my phone. (laughs) So we'll do it. Uh, We'll do it. And uh, I'll just let you do yours, and then we'll wrap it up. Best locker room guys. A couple guys, or one guy I played with in the minors. He actually uh, played with him in Portland when we were on the farm team for the Ducks uh, the year before uh, the Cup. So the 2005-2006 season. 
we had a really good team in the minors. Uh, Perry Gutsoff came down. We had Penner on the team. Uh, Ryan Shannon, Shane O'Brien, Aaron Rome. We had a, a lot of guys that went on to Curtis Glenn Cross, Tim Brandt, that went on to play um, NHL games. Trevor Gillies, big tough guy. Um, but uh, Zenon Kanopka was uh, one of the best best teammate they ever had he was uh, he was hilarious he was uh, a heart and soul guy good player would would fight the toughest guy on the other team but was super honest about it and just uh, just a true competitor and always hilarious loved getting the, the team together it's just funny we'd have these pre-game interviews in portland and he'd get on the the microphone to the arena and just start it was like a wwe interview talking about like everyone else always wants to be uh so correct and you know all the hartford's got a great team or whatever back then he would just get on there and be like we are gonna absolutely destroy hartford tonight <laughs> they're in for a bloodbath <laughs> this guy was just an absolute legend um so is that in Karabka? Um, definitely comes to mind. Uh, yeah, another guy I mentioned there, Trevor Gillies, kind of in the same vein, ultimate team guy. Uh, tough guys so often hockey are just the best. And he was he was another guy. I uh, roomed with him on the road a couple of years in training camp and uh, was just absolutely uh, tough, tough as they come, but just a, a great, great guy uh, off the ice. Um, always uh just just always uh kind of echoing on the ice from the bench mr positive cheering on all the boys getting everyone going on the bench all the time which is huge in hockey kind of uh an underrated uh an underrated thing that these guys bring to the table but he always uh, was a big contributor to any team he played on uh and the last one was from my time up in san jose i got a um joe thornton's just uh I mean, anything that ever anything you've heard about this guy is true. He is just the <laughs> best, the best team guy. Loves hockey, loves being at the rink, loves the boys, just loves all the trainers, treats everyone awesome, great leader, amazing player. Just, but just a, just loves to have fun, loves to give him hockey. Just, uh, just an awesome, awesome teammate, and definitely lucky to have played with him and and the other two guys as well. Awesome. Well, it sounds like a, definitely a good list. And I think that'll do it for episode eight of the Flying Vienaheim Ducks podcast. Thanks, Kent, for coming on down in, down in Orange County. We'll be back in person hopefully uh, the next couple weeks and hopefully with some, with some interviews coming up. Uh, we'll, we're, we're trying to get that worked out for you guys. Yeah, we've got a couple queued up working with our, our good, uh, good friends over with the Ducks to, uh, yeah, to get some of the, the fellas on here. But uh, all right, Anthony, thanks a lot, man. Get that phone charged up. Oh, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be charged up, and I'm going to be charging up too in bed. <laughs> all right, buddy, sounds good. Good night. Talk to you later. All right, thanks, guys. See ya. So that was episode eight of the Flying Vienaheim Ducks podcast. Thanks for joining in with me and Husky. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Deli Tweets. That's D-E-L-L-I-T-W-E-E-T-S. And on Instagram at Deli Meat. Same first thing. And the last one, meat, is in lunch meat, D-E-L-L-I-M-E-A-T. You can find Kent at Husk Varna on Instagram. That's H-U-S-K underscore V-E-R-N-A. 
or you can visit him at his coffee shop, Huskins Coffee in Santa Ana. We're available on all of your favorite podcast directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcasts on your social accounts. And if you like our show, please go on iTunes or Spotify or whatever podcast directory you want and rate it. Tell everybody how much you like it. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. You can always hit me up or or Kent up on Instagram, hit me up on Twitter, uh, and we're going to try to make this show better for you. But uh, for now, thank you, and we'll talk Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.